McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to episode 205 of the PO Forecast. We are missing Hugh Bunce this evening, having eaten some slightly dodgy... What do we think he's eaten? I mean, he's got a quite a restricted diet. I didn't know he could eat anything that would actually make him have food poisoning, but he's found a way. I just don't want, I don't want to know what he's eaten, to be honest. Some dodgy vegan sushi, who knows? Anyway, so as a, as a replacement... Obviously, I am Andy and hosting this week, stepping into Hugh's rather large shoes. And as usual, I'm joined by, as you heard there, the man with the, the best beard on the podcast by a country mile, actually, as Joth is clean shaven. Freddie, how are you? Welcome to the show. A strong start as Freddie forgets to unmute and sits there stroking his beard. Yes, Freddie, yes, how are yes, you? Yes, brilliant. I'm very well, thank you, Andy. Yeah, had a great weekend. Awesome Pompey win. Caught up with loads of friends. And yeah, at work, we have a new reporter who is also a listener to the show. So, Joe, if you're listening, hello. The fact that you extra. actually, the fact you waved at the webcam there was fairly endearing, considering we publish in an audio medium, Freddie. But good on you. Well, uh, thank God the video is not used, to be honest with you. I think we found the still. If we use like a thumbnail, I would just have that as you waving at the camera and it would, you know, get the views up anyway. What is it? Um, sort of OnlyFans style, man strokes beard, waves at camera. You don't know what's happening, but oh, shoulder level vibes. <laughs> You're not even on mute. You're just not no, saying No, no, no. I, I don't know how to respond to that, to be fair. Excellent. That makes me happy. It's not often I stun you into silence. Uh, also on the podcast this week, uh, we have got Joth Taylor making a guest appearance after his full-time appearances on the PO Forecast Extra. Joth, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thank you for the clean-shaven comment. This is actually about two weeks of growth but i cannot grow a beard whatsoever so that's awkward i'm so sorry maybe blame the webcam quality it's just pixels that's all it is it's just it's the webcam quality it's the blur you've got as your background it's i'm running out of excuses would josh suit a beard i'm not so sure i think he's gonna say no i think he's trying freddie so we shouldn't judge him i tried to do movember we saw each other at the blackpool game and no one commented at the pathetic state of my facial hair you might have done behind my back but that's fair. I don't remember you having facial hair at the Blackpool game, to be honest with you. I was going to say, I don't either. Good. Excellent. Well, we've kicked things off on a positive vein. Uh, We've also just realised just before recording that in between 12 and 18 months, all of us are likely to be unemployed due to advancements in AI. So the podcast could become a full-time gig for the three of us. So we're in a good mood as we start things off this week. Plan of action for the pod. 
pretty much following the normal medium to be honest with you we are going to start off by talking through the 3-0 win away against Northampton Town before Freddie leads us in the news section before we move into a Bolton preview with Ryan from the Trotter Chatter podcast the Bolton Wanderers podcast who gives us the lowdown on Bolton this season and what we can expect from our game at home against them on Monday night. So we'll start with Northampton Town away. I went into this game slightly apprehensive, to be honest with you, looking at the League One results up to that point. Obviously, our game against Blackpool didn't go exactly as we had planned it. Northampton Town then turned over Blackpool 2-1. So we got a bit of a sort of a a worrying lead into the game, I guess. Now, Northampton Town Preview was saying that they had played quite an attacking open game against Blackpool. Blackpool hadn't been ready for it, hadn't been expecting it. And there was a part of me slightly worried we were going to be caught on the back foot. Freddie, it didn't really happen. <laughs> Why didn't that happen? What prevented Northampton from being able to play that open attacking game that succeeded so well against Blackpool? I think it was a lot of what Pompey did well, to be honest with you. And a lot of that stemmed from the control of the midfield. And I think two big shout-outs already have to go to Alex Robertson and Christian Sadie, who both had monstrous games in different ways. Robertson was at both sides of the pitch, being able to keep possession, be an outlet for the centre-halves and progress the ball forwards. And Sadie was winning his tackles like anything. I have some stats to go over with that later on. But yeah, it was almost as if, even though Northampton managed to gain the ball in Pompey's half a couple of times and venture into the penalty area, they were the side defended pretty well. It was shepherded out, and Pompey just hit them with the early goal, and then continued from there. It was a, it was a rather complete performance, and put a lot, put a lot of doubts to bed. I think. Yeah, Joth. By the time we go a goal up, before we get to that ragged header, we could have already been one up at that point with uh, Sadie having a chance that got deflected behind for a uh, corner straight away. What were your thoughts on the first, however many minutes? What was it, eleven fourteen before we went a goal up? Was it expected when we got that goal, or did you think fairly even first fifteen? We yeah, we had a good amount of pressure. Um, we weren't kind of really hammering away at their goal, but yeah, we controlled the game well. Had a very very good kind of quantity of possession, but. Yeah, Sadie in that kind of 10 role, it allows him to use his, yeah, his well-known strength and his footwork. I think something that kind of underpins that is how balanced he is. You know, you've got to be, you have good balance to uh, keep players off, have, you know, good upper body strength, but also balance when you're, you know, doing step overs, rolling your foot over the ball. You need good balance for that. And he is probably, you know, him and Robertson are two of the most kind of balanced looking players when you see them run. And yeah, they both, they both stood out for the weekend. Both had good movement off the ball as well, always being in the right place and always acting, acting as an outlet if um, if a chance died down a little bit. I mean, there were occasions where Kamara or Lane on different flanks, which is a good talking point, when they were crowded out a little bit under the fence, Robertson or Sadie were always there to recycle the ball to the other side and that worked particularly well. Yeah, we get to that first goal, Jack Sparks' corner. Some uh, some key Jack Sparks statistics from at Pompey Data on Twitter. Second in the Divi Division 4 assists in League 1. Ranked first in League 1 for big chances created. Not sure how that metric is calculated, I guess, by XG over a certain finite value. Nods from the two people on the call who understand football stats. Cool. Ranked first in the Division for overall chances created. And third in the division for, I'm assuming XA is expected, assists per 90. So attacking stats-wise, absolutely spot on. Couple of slightly less top-of-his-game defensive performances leading into this one. But the first goal, it's sort of postage stamp. Jack Sparks corner, Raggett, I mean... I can't imagine Raggett doing a header except a thumping header, but it is a Sean Raggett thumping header into the goal. 
one nil. Freddie, any extra analysis on the on the first goal, or does that sum it up in in as many words as it can do? Uh, it was actually lovely movement from Ranga to actually be able because he wasn't unmarked. He was sort of marked with a defender in front of him, but he was able to use a combination of his strength to be able to move the defender off, but then move in such a way to get a direct header on there. And excellent goal. We know how much of a threat racket is from set pieces. It's a brilliant asset to have. And in his two games since he's come in in the first team, he's played particularly well. And in this game, there wasn't really a moment where Northampton were able to dribble into the space between the fullback and the centre-halves. Their partners were able to shadow them away quite well. So, no, Raga had two excellent games and put some of the uh, the moans and the doubts to bed, which, are, which I'm happy with. Yeah. Joff, we move on to the... Se- uh, actually, no, we don't move on to the second goal. Before we get to the second goal, we have Cassini Yangi hitting the bar. Um, I'm thinking it was the second goal because it was yet another example of Pompey turning over possession from what should have been fairly comfortable Northampton possession in their own half. Uh, and Yengi ends up sort of half taking it around the keeper. I think it's Lane who turns over possession, I think. And ball through, Yengi takes a touch, hits the bar. There were concerns in some parts of the Pompey camp leading into this game in terms of our ability to be clinical in front of goal without that. Colby Bishop, who was obviously you know a focal point for the side, but over the course of the game, what were your thoughts on Cassini Yengi and how he played in terms of you know coming in and filling what is a fairly big void in the team without Bishop being fit? Yeah, he's a different player to Bishop, so it's I think a bit unfair to kind of draw an immediate comparison. But one thing he does really well is stretch the play with his kind of line breaking runs, trying to get in behind the defence. You know he's got pace. His weaker foot, his left foot is strong. He's, you know, he's tall, physical lad, so he's decent in the air as well. But his hold up play, I'd say, isn't as good as Bishop's. And for a first, you know, for the first bit of the game, we were trying to get the ball into his feet, and it what he wasn't quite doing what Bishop does in terms of hold the ball up, give it back, look for an on run and winger from midfield. But yeah, we managed to stretch the play enough for Lane to get two. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did well enough, and I think yeah, he should have scored that chance. You know, my mate who's a Crystal Palace fan, incidentally, asked if I had a stream for this game and sent him a link. Um, make of that what you will. But yeah, the, his only bit of feedback is like, why isn't that Yankee bloke scored? And, you know, we can look, we can be like, oh, Yankee's good. Oh, it's a shame he missed that. Oh, you know, next time we'll score. But he probably should have scored. Maybe it's just he hasn't played that much. You know, he's come off the international break, got 15 minutes for Australia, got a few minutes at the end against Blackpool and that. But, you know, I think the more he plays, the more... We'll adapt to his style of play. He'll adapt to us. We'll find a compromise and I think he'll get goals soon. Yeah, he sort of put his foot through it, didn't he? Rather than, because he did the hard work by taking, almost, almost taking the keeper, Max Thompson, pretty much out of that chance, but he just put his foot through it and put too much power on it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's one of those ones where, I mean, on the highlights, you don't get loads of camera angles, but you think, could he have placed it? Could he have chipped it? But he's put his th- foot through it. That's something that I do at five aside a lot. I'm, you know, I'm not a forward. I'm a midfielder. When I get through on goal, I don't know what to do. I panic a bit. I just launch it and usually skies over the fence. I've got to run 200 yards to go and get the ball. But, you know, stuff that comes with game time is finishing, you know. I think he'll, you know, he'll get back there. So finishing is obviously only one part of the game. And we've had, you know, conversations recently about other things that Bishop brings to the team outside his goal scoring ability. Second goal... Yangi combines in a, a non-goal scoring capacity alongside Sadie. From a Northampton point of view, really bad goal to concede. You shouldn't go from having a goal kick on the ground to the ball being in your own net with, it was what, eight seconds, 10 seconds? Really, really poor goal to concede for their part. But Pompey win that first header from the goal kick 
Yangi and Sadie combine. Ball is played through to Paddy Lane, who gives us a lesson in how to finish a one-on-one with a, a lovely finish over the keeper who gets a little bit headstrong, I think, and probably commits and probably commits to a ball that he's never going to reach. And I think by the time he actually gets out to be in a position to block the ball, he's outside of his area. So if he does block it with his hand, then obviously you're looking at a card situation and not a particularly favourable outcome anyway. Freddie, second goal. Realistically, with the, the feel we were getting from this game as it progressed, are you thinking game over at this point? It's sort of a comfortable, it's sewn up, two-goal deficit or two-goal margin on our side. Pretty happy to control the narrative for the next however many minutes or or were you thinking that the third was needed? It seemed that <clears throat> Pompey were on top a fair bit. I think the only chances I remember for Northampton were there was a chance where Northampton won the ball in Pompey's defensive half. Jack Sowerby was able to run the, dribble the ball in the centre a little bit and then pray through Sam Hoskins, but he was shattered out wide and the shot went straight at Norris. And then there was another little bit where I think it was Lane who got robbed by Kieran Bowie. And then Kieran Bowie just took it forward a tiny bit, but then hit a shot that just trundled wide from outside the area. So Pompey weren't tested defensively that much, even though there were a few moments where obviously conceding the ball in your own half high, that's going to cause problems against better teams. And if that trend happens against Bolton, that's a massive worry. But no, I think after the second goal, I do agree with you. Thompson rushing out like that was a bit, well, he lost his head a little bit. He might he might have even been better just staying on his line, potentially. Even though it, it, Paddy Lane had to chip it over the keeper and it was a lovely finish, he was still one-on-one and still had the time to put the chip in in the first place. The defender wasn't particularly near him. Really liked the chip-through ball from Sadie. Reminded me of FIFA World Cup 2010 with that sort of pass. But no, lovely finish from Lane. Nice to see him back on the score sheet. And I think he he played incredibly well on the left-hand side. Kamara's moved to his favoured right-hand side. And although Sadie and Robertson's performances sort of shaped how the wingers did, it was nice to see Lane being able to be utilised on that right left-hand side, just to give a little bit extra. I didn't think Kamara had a bad game, and I thought he looked more comfortable being on his favoured side as well. So... It, that goal showed a lot. And yeah, thankfully, Pompey 2 0 up before half time and put in their stamp on the game properly. Northampton Town make a couple of changes at half time and change formation as well to match Pompey in the second half. Um, I'm going to request that we refer to Bowie as Bowie just so the 17 David Bowie puns I made doing our match updates aren't completely null and void. So if we could, uh, we could mispronounce his name if we refer to him again lads I would be grateful we get into the second half and all of that thought process that Northampton Town have put in in terms of changing formation making two changes all kind of goes out the window I think it's three minutes into the second half Sadie turns over possession Robertson crosses to the far post Paddy Lane nice composed finish I'm just going to have an open mic moment here I mean I don't know if you guys have have noticed that that Jack Hancock tweeted a couple of times in August about what a good signing Alex Robertson could be and has been retweeting it every 18 hours since. Sort of an open mic night style. Would either of you like to wax lyrical about Alex Robertson with a sort of a countdown timer of 30 seconds on? Uh, Whoever unmutes first gets the pleasure of saying how good he is and then we can move on with our lives. Yeah, great. I'll do it. He is very, very comfortable on the ball. Sometimes, I think, contrary to popular belief, a bit too comfortable. He's been robbed a couple of times in Fred, as you said, when players lose the ball in kind of high positions that, you know, better teams will punish us. But aside from that, his ball retention is pretty good. We can find a negative in anything. Yes, keep going. But yeah, the way he can 
the way he scans before he receives the ball, there's a you know term called scanning where you should look around. Um, I'm doing it now and moving away from the mic, which probably isn't the wisest thing to do on a podcast. But- Don't worry, Fre- Freddie's not editing this one for audio levels, so it will be audible to anything other than bats. Oh, what, I wouldn't what a worry about it. <laughs> a well-deserved dig, but which is always mentioned to me a lot, just because of one bad episode, but there we if, are. Honestly, if there's a job you don't want doing, just do it terribly once. You've you've cemented it very well there, Fred. Sorry, Joff, please carry on. Yeah, he scans a lot before he receives the ball, which means he knows where defenders are. He knows where um, he's under pressure. There's a pun there for you. And I used that one. Thanks. <laughs> he, um, yeah, his his ability to kind of just get the ball, turn and pass is amazing. It's, it is what you see when you watch teams like Man City and Arsenal kind of turn positional players. One of those things where coaches like Arteta, Guardiola, that's the kind of players, yeah, they, they're after. They, you get the ball passed, they move into a new position, and he's bringing that to us. I don't think anyone can do it as well as us, but as well as him, sorry. But he is quality, and I hope he doesn't get recalled in January. Brady, anything to add on to that? I think Jotha summed up fairly well there. Uh, he definitely has, and um, obviously Sadie, Sadie also played a brilliant role in that by, again, turning over possession. There was a, a moment in the first half which showed both players playing incredibly well. And it was when I think Robertson collected the ball right deep from a pass from the centre-back, was able to run, dribble past two players, and then hit the through ball to Sadie, who was who then got involved in about three or four tackles and then somehow got the ball pretty much from like close to the halfway line all the way into the penalty area. The shot was blocked, but... I can't remember the last time I've seen a midfielder almost force the ball all the way from pretty much near the halfway line all the way to the the penalty area. And he was involved in 29 total duels this game. So total 29 total instances where he's contesting the ball. And then he had 27 duels in the Burton game as well, where he also had a good game. And it seems that Mourinho's got a trend for that going on because I looked up number of duels people are having or averaging per 90 just for attacking midfielders. And Sadie and Andrew were both top with basically statistics in the high 20s. So it seems like Messina wants his attacking midfielder to just win the ball high up the pitch in the press, be able to control the ball properly, progress it, and then pass. And Robertson can also do that, but a lot deeper, but also a bit more technical. So no, yeah, both, both players played brilliantly well, and Lane took his second goal incredibly well much better than he had done because he had a run of games where he didn't score. Even though he's getting in the positions, he wasn't really creating an awful lot. So yeah, nice to see him take it, take it down his chest, bury it in the corner. And then, yeah, then the second half was pretty much done dust. I don't really remember any other chances after that. Honestly, it was a bit of a formality, wasn't it? It kind of meandered, not in a Portsmouth didn't play well way, but in a Pompey just controlled the narrative of it a little bit. Northampton they didn't need to do a lot, did they? No, really? Northampton grew into the game and they... You know, they created some half chances and, you know, didn't play badly at all for the rest of that game. But you felt like Pompey kind of, they probably went to what, third, fourth gear at the start of the second half. And then after the third goal, just slipped back into third gear and just controlled the narrative until the end of the game, which was quite nice. It was really, it was one of those stress-free afternoons that... You know when we score a last-minute winner and it's been very stressful or we score a last-minute equaliser and our heart rates have been 170 for 90 minutes straight and then you look at the other League One scores and it's like, oh, Bolton won 7-0 at Exeter or, you know, it's just been a comfortable afternoon for them or, 
Peterborough win three nil away at Carlisle, and you're thinking, oh, I wish we had some of those just like nice, calm, just as an occasional controlled ninety minutes, and we had that, and it just didn't seem really in any jeopardy at any point, which was a, a pleasant surprise, I think, considering, as I said earlier, the the week running up to the game. Joff, based on what you've seen from the last couple of games, I'm going to ask you the big question here that I wouldn't want to be the first one to get asked. Joe Morell's coming back from his suspension. Does he come back into the team for you? Are you sticking with Pack and Robertson with Sadie in front? Are you considering Devlin in the mix? Because he's not started for a while after playing particularly well in the games like the Reading game. What are you doing with centre mids? Have fun with that. Yeah, I'd drop Alex Robertson instantly. Not joking. Quite right. Absolutely. I'm glad. I think we can all agree that that's, that should be what is done here. No, I think I'd push Alex Robertson into the 10 role or even kind of have three just centre midfielders and pack the midfield because Alton are good at that and then switching the play out onto the wings and if we can get possession of the ball in midfield we can then go and play our game we'd both like to play kind of possession heavy games and so it's going to be a real battle in that midfield so I think Joe Morrell should come back in and Robertson can be that te- yeah player in the 10 role and use his top notch distribution to hopefully create some chances okay. maybe on the opposite side I'm not going to disagree slightly not because I don't think that's a bad idea but I think in this upcoming game specifically against Bolton who play in a back three which can also turn to a back five with the wingers going back and forth not a lot and Bolton having a player like Josh Sheehan who's in the centre of midfield who drops a lot deeper and collects the ball and has got range of distribution I think we need the attacking midfielder who's going to put in his foot in an awful lot so I think even even though Sadie's had these two only two runner games and it's been very good. And I think Joe Morrell's the all-round better player. I think I would keep the Pack and Robertson duo in the centre of midfield because Pack has come in, seamlessly come back in, basically allowed Robertson to be a bit more adventurous in the deeper role. But also the fact that Sadie can win so many balls high up the pitch and that can cause a lot of problems. And if Pompey are able to do that when Bolton's wing backs are pushed up, there's going to be a lot of space. And I think you're going to need someone to press Santos right in the middle of the centre-half back three as well. So I think just for the matchup alone, I think for this Bolton game, you play Sadie. But I wouldn't be surprised if it turns into the Morel pack Robertson for future games, just in general, depending if Portsmouth want to go with more possession-based or whatever. Okay, before we move on to our Bolton preview with Ryan... Anything else you guys want to add for the Northampton Town game? Freddie, I have a horrible suspicion. I know why you've unmuted. Uh, yeah, well, you can probably guess. Um, and we didn't do this last week because, yeah, there was no, I, I was not playing guess the XG for the Blackpool game for obvious reasons. And we didn't do it for the midweek game afterwards, but we're bringing it back. Guess the XG. Again, thanks to Andy's chagrin. So my guess the XG this week, what was Paddy Lane's expected goals for his finish in the second half, which which basically sewed up the match 3-0. And if Joff looks at the XG before this, I'm going to be very disappointed in him. I was only asked to do this this morning, so I haven't had the chance. It's been a busy day at work. Uh, okay, so I'm actually going to be okay if I lose this because this is an opportunity for yet another vertebrate to move above Jack Hancock in the league table. So 
I'm actually kind of cheering on Joth here, and I'm tempted to go for an XG of 0.93 or something ridiculous to to make sure that happens because <laughs> I'd really enjoy him being on the bottom of the table. Joth, um, as you're sort of guesting on the main pod, uh, I'll let you, you. Do you want to go first or second? And if you go second, you can't just undercut by 0.01 because that's just, for being honest, it's a bit of a dick move. And also, if I'm going first, it means I can't do it. I'm gonna go with. I reckon it's around. Around 0.3. What's this squad? He's number 32, isn't he? He was 29. I'm going to go with 0.32. I was going to go fairly similar, which is unfortunate. Because now I've told you, you're not allowed to undercut or overcut me. But I was thinking around the 0.3 to 0.35, which means I've either got to go with an answer I don't think is right or sound like a complete hypocrite. Thankfully, I have no morals and no conscience and a complete awareness of my own hypocrisy. So that takes the edge off for me a little bit. I'll still be able to sleep well tonight. Oh, I think it's going to be a slightly higher XG than I would imagine. As you said, inside the box, first touch. It's on the angle. He is stretching. 0.39, Fred. I think I might have overshot, but again, I'm I'm fine with Joff winning this. Okay, so Joff was the closest. I actually checked two sources for this, because the first time I looked at it, I thought it was too low, and then checked another source, and it had exactly the same thing, which is incredibly strange. So Y Scout and FOTMOB, two sources for expected goals both had it at 0.2 on the dot and i think that was possibly because it was on the half volley and the keeper had a reasonable position but i still think it should be slightly higher than that personally but no joff's taken that one and uh and you'd be pleased to hear that jack is still last out of all i'm thrilled that places jack what fifth out of four or something for the guess the xg table this season i'm thrilled sorry jeff i've absolutely schooled him there i'll take that yeah I mean, there's only one real Pompey stats, isn't there? And it's not it's not a Hancock analysis. You can take your bronze award and you can... Uh... <laughs> Let's not finish that sentence. Freddie, anything you want to talk about for the Northampton game? Uh, no, I think we should move on to the news section, I think. And there's a couple of little bits and bobs before we get onto the main section of news. Uh, Massinho discussed how he's going to lo- utilise Paddy Lane and he mentioned the fact that he was swapped onto his preferred wing he wanted to mess jo- rest Josh Martin, but also wanted to play Kamara on the stronger side and praised the fact that Lane was more clinical in this game compared to his previous stint on the left side. So it sort of gives the notion, not directly quoted him, but it gives the notion that that could be the wing combination going because we we'll to give a tiny bit of the, new- the injury segment away. Scully is not expected back until february for his injury and yeah it looks like paddy lane might be playing on the left hand side on his preferred foot which could bring up something interesting for the future i don't know if you either of you guys want to jump in on that i think signing martin's been a pretty wise move he obviously looks like he can play at this level so yeah with white and kamara on the right and lane and martin on the left we've got two in that two in those positions which is ideally what you want and uh, the only other little bit before we go into the injury news is uh, Messina played praised Will Norris's distribution. He particularly said the fact that he's he said he described him as one of the most progressive keepers in the league, and also praised praised his range of distribution. Obviously, in the last two games, Pompey have been a tiny bit more direct with their goal kicks. I don't particularly mind a balanced approach. I think that's the best way, really. Because if you play up from the back slightly too much, it becomes obvious and you invite so much pressure. But obviously, our side plays better generally playing out from the back. So yeah, Nor- Messino definitely praising Norris and he looks as if he's going to be well into that stint, the number one for probably quite a while with the, with quotes like that. So going on to injuries, a little bit from 
Moon's musings is five minutes going through a lot of players who are back. Uh, the big one's Colby Bishop. Last time we spoke on the pod, we were worried about his injury, weren't we? F- theorising that he's going to be out for the rest of the season and that type of thing. Oh, I don't was- think we went that far. I think I think we said <laughs> I think we estimated eight weeks, didn't we? Yeah, or something similar. I can't remember. But um, it was com- confirmed by Massinho after the game in both the news and on the BBC that Colby Bishop's injury will be weeks rather than months, and it is injuries getting a second opinion. But Massinho said that was pretty purely precautionary because. Um, scar tissue from a previous injury came up in one of the scans but and he said it's not going to be a quick fix but we're looking at weeks rather than bumps like i mentioned earlier and it looks as if his injury is possibly going to be three to four weeks and andy moon said he could be back for around boxing day so the game against bristol rovers away which is fairly positive given that that period is congested for fixtures and if you're playing yangi all the way through for that time it would be nice to change up um the bit up front a little bit but yeah, Colby Bishop back soon and for thank God. That's I think if, if he can be back by the time we lose Yengi and Robertson to the Australian side, that would be a stunningly good result based on where I thought we were going to be. That would be absolutely staggering. I'd be thrilled. As good as a new signing in, well, better than a new signing in January if he can come back in and do like for like when Yengi disappears off with the Aussie side. One of the other bits of news that came up, I say, call it news, pure speculation that came up this week was uh, the possibility that John Terry applied for the Portsmouth job at the time it got given to John Messino. And I'm just wondering what you gents think the parallel universe is currently looking like where John Terry was given the Portsmouth job if it was one of the League One roles he applied for and where we are in the table and how many uh, sets of divorce proceedings are going on in the Portsmouth squad due to infidelities with the head coach. So uh, where are we at if John Terry had taken over, lads? Eighth. That's a number I've pulled out of absolutely nowhere. In terms of academy coaching, you know, he's been looking for his first kind of full-time gig in management and I genuinely think he'd be an okay boss. He always seemed, despite his off-field and on-field antics, I say that, he always seems like he had a decent footballing brain for a, you know, a bit of a thug of a centre back at times. You know, he could he could play out from the back and do all that. So I think, he'd, yeah, he'd definitely command respect from the dressing room. But I'd say eighth. Freddie, is any part of you wistful that we haven't got an ex England centre back with questionable morals, ethics, and racial views uh, leading our side? Uh, I think it's just a more calming presence. So we've got John Bassino. I think. I think the only other. Controversial thing that came with Messino was when he mentioned being in a room with Lee Trundle when he when he was doing animal noises to try and <laughs> to try and uh, sign up for a particular club under um, uh, Graham Wesley. But that's literally the only the most controversial thing that I could think of with John Messino. And John Messino wasn't doing anything; he was just in the room. So that's a, a big difference, isn't it? Freddie, any other news you want to bring us before we uh, yeah. introduce the bottom preview? Yeah, so uh, just a tiny bit on which players are going to be available and which ones aren't. Uh, Swanson was back on the bench for Northampton. Uh, Messino mentioned that Swanson had a direct quote, very, very strange injury, which I've never seen a manager say. And uh, apparently he had symptoms of bone bruising. He had symptoms of bone bruising, apparently, in one of his ankles. They weren't exactly sure what it was, but he's okay and back available for selection. Anthony Scully... Returning in the new year around February, Gavin White is also back available for uh, after that stint for personal reasons. But uh, at the time of recording, we're still not exactly sure what that is. But hey, it's nice to have him back available. I, for I don't think we ever will, Fred. I don't think no, I mean, it's I, none I, of our business so. is it really? No, but hey, it, it might come up, but I highly doubt it. 
and Tom Lowry back available for selection as well in the centre of the field. So we've got depth now in a lot of a lot of spots. And Tino Andrin, he's expected to be out until February with his torn hamstring. So Scully returning in the new year, January, February-ish. Andrin, February, Bishop, December. So that's all the injury stuff. And then Andy Moon talked about the chance of Robertson uh, being recalled by Manchester City in January, just creating a, a dark parallel universe for us all. He basically said that he's fairly confident that Robertson has the recall clause on it, but considering how well he's playing, it's unlikely because why would you disrupt his development considering he had that awful unspoiled beforehand at Ross County with injuries and not really playing that much um, from Man City's perspective. Why would you, why, why would you change it at this point? You may as well just give him the season and then reevaluate him afterwards. But yeah, him and Yangi still being out possibly for five weeks during the Asian cup in January is massive. And there's no real indication of how Pompey will proceed transfers wise. I think it's still the same as previously reported where they're looking for a centre-back and a centre-forward still given Bishop's injury. So yeah, that's the news roundup as far as I'm aware. Nothing else came up. Final thing, I think, before the Bolton preview is a quick mention of the Portsmouth ladies. They've got uh, obviously a fairly big game, just a fairly big game, coming up on Sunday against Southampton ladies. Uh, So Portsmouth ladies are currently top of the Women's National League Southern Premier Division. So quite an impressive goal difference to 42 after 10 games of the season. You don't don't turn your nose up at that. Play 10, one nine, lost one, just above hashtag United Women. So above them on goal difference, but with a game in hand. It would be fantastic to see the, the ladies get promoted from that division. So we're obviously wishing them the very best in their, their game against Southampton ladies uh, on Sunday. Southampton have thrown a lot of money at their women's team. Team, uh, in the last few years it's quite interesting seeing sort of the changing of the guard in some of that women's football stuff I mean London B is a bottom of the the, t- the division that Pompey are top of and I mean it can't have been more than four years ago I was watching London B's play WSL against some of my friends at Reading sort of they were quite a big side and they've got one point from 10 games now in the, the National League Southern Premier Division so I guess a big go well from us all at the podcast to the ladies team and hopefully next week we'll be uh, dissecting a, a famous win against them up the road so get down on Sunday to watch the women's team at Wesley Park let's have a, a great turnout Okay, we will now move on to our Bolton Wanderers preview. So, as you may have noticed, looking at the league table, Bolton have suddenly appeared out of nowhere and are battling us for the top of the table as we speak. So, currently are three points below Pompey with one game in hand. Their next game is against top of the table Portsmouth on Monday at Fratton Park. A lovely Monday 8pm kickoff that works well for everyone who has a normal job and commutes in more than five minutes to the ground. So big thank you to Sky TV for that one. We spoke to Ryan from the Trotter Chatter podcast. I have to slow down when I say that every time because it's just such a mouthful. Uh, to give us a preview of what to expect on Monday night. Okay, so we are joined this evening by Ryan from the Trotter Chatter, as a mouthful, the Bolton Wanderers podcast. Uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? No problem at all. I thought I'd bring some lovely dulcet northern tones into this very southern podcast. To be honest, compared to Fratton Park, I mean, anything north of what we're saying, guys, Reading is is northern. If you, I mean, not, not north of Watford for most years, to be honest. I mean, being brought up on the Isle of Wight. 
I always thought Oxford was to me Oxford, Liverpool, Newcastle were all pretty much in line as you went further north. So I thought they were just next to each other. Turns out they're not. Who knew? Yeah, just very, very much not. If you try and get to Oxford, well, uh, my trip to Wembley uh, made me realise how long it takes to get to Oxford. It was a good four and a half hour journey. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely the proper north. Yeah, you've got to go down to Oxford and then some. It's like, well, I, I live in Oxford and travel down to Fratton for the home game. So it's what, it's about an hour and 45 from here, I think. So enjoy your trip down, Ryan. Um, hopefully it'll all be for nothing. But uh, yeah, thank you for joining the pod. I guess we'll kick kick things off with sort of an overall view of the season so far. Not the quickest start from Bolton this season, it's probably fair to say. But then you have absolutely hit your straps Top of the form table for the last 10 games. So the last 10 games, you're 1-8, drawn one, lost one in the league. How's the season been? We'll start pretty broad, pretty generic. Give us a, a vague idea of what it's been like as a Bolton fan. Okay, so where we are now, I never expected us to be where we are now. We're even, uh, we, we're in this run of, of, of like 10, 10 games unbeaten or whatever it is, but even some of those wins were incredibly unconvincing. We we. We, we didn't get out of the starting blocks very quickly. We had some really bad defeats, like Wigan Athletic at home, as you can imagine, a local a local derby. Uh, Carlisle at home, and, and um, th- there were a, there were a lot of cracks starting to appear. Um, a lot of injuries. We didn't spend a lot of money, uh, and and it, it was really sort of making Bolton fans who have quite a sort of high expectation, uh, quite worried that things weren't going to work out. But in a, in Ian Everett fashion, he loves to prove people wrong. And I'm sure he's got me a, a soundbite of me saying, I don't think Ian Everett will take us up to the championship somewhere ready to uh, to use when he pleases. But it's been a roller coaster. But at the minute, it's incredibly enjoyable. So I'm enjoying the ride for now. You said earlier that you didn't think Bolton would be in position currently in the automatic promotions and then just under the playoffs some points. Why, why do you think that was? What, was your opinion similar to other Bolton fans? Were you thinking you might get in the playoffs but not much else? We had some questionable purchases in the previous January. You know, the likes of Cameron Jerome, uh, Dan Nalundalu who hasn't really got out the starting blocks, uh, Victor Adebayejo, basically three strikers who who didn't really strengthen our team. And then we had the likes of Kieran Lee leaving, obviously, uh, Connor Bradley and James Trafford, two, two Premier League players now uh, leave us. And th- the squad overall didn't look as strong as it was the season before. Um, and and it, it, it was a concern. And, and um, yeah, uh, what has changed now compared to then is that we're much more of a balanced team unit. And I think that's what's working. Everett has clearly chosen these players to fit this perfect style what he wants to play and um initially it didn't look that the pieces weren't together but once everyone's learned the system it seems to have all clicked and and that's that's why we're in the, the position where we are now and, and Ian Everett's laughing in my face I remember seeing Ian Everett a fair bit of Barrow because I mean in the National League everybody was playing direct football and he was forcing the players to play out from the back a little bit yeah. and obviously joined you guys got you promoted out of League 2 has he managed to cement his philosophy then after a few seasons as he finally got the players together in his opinion yeah so you, you mentioned that playing out from the back at Barrow they used to call them Barrow Salona so that was uh, that, this manager trying to play this expansive football in, in the National League and, and Sharon Britton our owner brought him in uh, in League 2 and basically said you do what you want and his idea was I want to play a higher elite level of football in League 2 
Um, it took a lot of chopping and changing, a lot of big names like your Dapwaffa Lion, who, who um, plays like that, to leave, who didn't fit the system. And, and he's, he's very much stomped his philosophy into the team. He's actually got shares in the club. He's very close with the owner. And and I think that's sort of like the unity that we've got is a really, really powerful thing. And you, you see these days, you're like some Michael Duff recently being let go by Swansea and, and Tony Mowbray being let go by by Sunderland, which I think was a very rough one. I think Everett's got that second chance and, and he's not comfortable and he's not like resting on his laurels, but you know that he's allowed to tinker around and, and allowed to experiment. And, and yeah, it's, it's worked out in the long run. So I noticed you guys play through at the back and we came unstuck against Blackpool, who also played through at the back a couple of weeks ago. What would you say kind of your strengths are? Do you kind of like dominate out wise? Do you overload in the middle? How would you kind of, yeah, describe your strengths in going? A big thing for us is obviously not conceding goals. Last season, we were it, it was very key to our success, although we, we, we sort of, we, we, we sort of halted at the end, but not conceding goals. Possession game. Um, obviously, when you're not getting points and then you're saying at least we've got 77% possession of the ball, it doesn't quite work. But when it's when it's all working and you're moving the ball around quickly, um, it, it, it's really, really powerful. And you, you watched us last night against Port, Port Vale or Exeter. It looks like a training ground sometimes when we can get it right. The high press um, is, is really bothers a lot of teams. And um, the likes of Port Vale last night tried to combat it, but they, they just didn't have the ability to do so. And I think that that's what what's going to really help us out um, in, in this division. Um, Wigan Athletics somehow found the key to unlock that. And, and I think we will have to learn from that when teams get in our faces, that's when we can struggle. But but yeah, it's, it's the possession game, controlling the game and those key sort of um, moments of play where everything comes together and, and we get that goal. In the in case against Exeter, it was a lovely seven goals. So I'll, I'll enjoy that for a while. Yeah, I was going to say that Exeter game looked like a very hard-fought result, sort of similar to your, was it 8-1 you beat Man United under-21s as well? There's been a couple of really ground out results there you've had to really just slam it for 90 minutes an actual tough ground out result looks like that Oxford United result last time out in the league nil nil at the Kassam what were your key takeaways from that message was that a, a good point gained for Bolton was it two points dropped do you think how how do you how are you approaching having Oxford away and Portsmouth away back to back as a as a football club I think for a long time we had these like sort of winnable games and we was constantly looking ahead at those fixtures. They were they were daunting. At the time we weren't at the position where we are now. And and at that point we I would happy take a, a win at three points out of those two games as times moved on. A point uh, uh, there was very I'm very happy with it. I think uh, Oxford are a difficult team to play against and that's that's why they, they are where they are now. Even with the new manager, he's come in and sort of He's pushing the same sort of style of play. Um, a point, yes, but when once you've watched the game, watched the chances that we missed out on, we, we really could have got three points there. Uh, but it, it, when you look back at this, uh, I, I won't be I won't be too upset about it. Hombies on your defeat <clears throat> came at home against Blackpool, obviously the four 0 and they were incredibly aggressive, pushed up high got loads of space down the wings and sort of essentially just tried to stop Portsmouth playing out and effectively stop them having control in the midfield. Ian Everett comes across as a sort of manager who would play that style, whether it's home and away against anybody. Do you think Bolton have the capability to do what Blackpool did? Yes, that's that's pretty much exactly how we attack. We were incredibly wing-back driven. 
and and when when I go back to about us not having the right players that fit Everett's perfect team, we had Jack Iredale on at left back, who's he's practically centre back or a full back. But once we got Randall Williams in, uh, when Connor Bradley was there, we, we can really really bother teams. We brought in uh, Dakres Cogley this summer, who came from League Two, the biggest hidden gem in the world. I don't know how he's been playing down there for so long, and we can really really bother teams. Um, and then you get the likes of our centre midfielders overlapping and the wingers inverting, and, and we can really really pen sides in. By the sounds of the way that, that Blackpool worked, you guys, that that is how we intend to play away from home. It, it's it, it doesn't tend to to work that way. The, the, the teams you play in this league with the smaller pitches. It's not always easy as, as as doing that, but Fratton Park is a place where we could potentially could potentially execute it. Yeah, we looked really open uh, against Blackpool. Just from the top of the Fratton, and it wasn't pleasant viewing whatsoever. Would you have, I guess, like one key player to watch out for? Dion Charles is a known threat. He was at Accrington with Colby Bishop, and you know, but maybe someone who's not that well known to Pompey fans, someone to watch out for on Monday. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good question. So obviously you've got your, your Dion Charles, you've got your Ricardo Santos, the players who they are our staple players. Uh, a, a young man called George Thomason has um, come through the ranks at, at Bolton. He's our longest serving player, and he's actually the only player to be at the club before Ian Everett. He was signed by Keith Hill, came from Longridge Town, which is sort of a, a northwest. Uh, a small club in the northwest. He's um fans didn't take to him. They didn't take to him, but something's happened. I don't know what they've been feeding him, but he's he's turning into the complete midfielder. He can attack well, he can defend well, he, he he's got the most yellow cards, and I always see that as a bonus. Uh, he's not afraid to 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 kick to kick out of someone. He, he can pass the ball phenomenally, and uh, yeah, I don't know where it's come from. Basically, the, the story is that Bristol City made a one million pound bid for him, and at that point, we was like, "Go on, let him go, let him go." And George goes, "No, I want to stay." Signs a new deal, and, he, and he's become up. I'm not saying the complete midfielder, but someone who can generally join us in the journey up to the championship. Um, so I'd certainly watch out for him. But with the, the sort of uh, the amount of depth we have in midfield at the minute is an actual actual joke. We've only got only got one injury at the minute, and that being George Johnston, who, who got injured at the beginning of the season, and that that midfield depth. When you want to change a game and you can bring on three strong players, it's it's going to be a real threat. One player I wanted to ask about was Nathan Baxter. You mentioned James Trafford, massive player last season, arguably best keeper in the league, now playing in the in the Premier League now. Bringing in Nathan Baxter on the free from Chelsea, has he sort of filled in for Trafford, not necessarily being as good, but has he done what he never expects him to do and has he, has he basically bridged that gap a little bit? So yeah, he's the big the big gloves to fill, aren't they? James Trafford, I don't think any, any of us ever expected to, to replicate that, um, but we've not had a proper number one at Bolton for a long time. We had Matt Jilts who filled in. It was basically uh, the goalkeeping coach because we've had our keepers were that bad. Um, he actually sort of got involved. Um, so it, 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 initially it was nice that we've got an actual keeper who signed for the club. It took him a bit of time to to get going. He spent, obviously him from Chelsea, part of the, the, the big loaning faction of Chelsea and, and had quite a few injuries at Hull. But um, the more game time he's had, he's, he's he can command his box. He's very vocal and just stable. And I think and I think that's what 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 you want. Our second keeper actually got a game last night, and you you, you do realise what you've got when your second goalie comes in. And yeah, I'm I'm happy with him, and and, and now he's in um he's in the pot for um player of the player of the month for for November. Trying to find some sort of weakness that Pompey fans can keep an eye out for. 
at the, well, not at the weekend, on Monday evening, desperately searching for something to do with your terrible, terrible away form, etc. And is it right that you've not conceded an away goal in the first half all season? Because that's quite an impressive statistic, if so. And if the website is correct, which I would hope it would be, what is the Achilles heel that you notice as a fan watching Bolton week in, week out? Is there anything that jumps out that could be targeted by a Pompey side to turn up? It's a good question because you could have asked me this several times over the past few months and we seem to just keep repairing those problems. Uh, it's not being able to play against teams in small stadiums and this season we've managed to do that uh, through those wins that we were having we were playing basically one half of football and the second half we we, we, was, we were scrapping around and we, that's that's developed at the minute the saying is you get used to winning and I think we are getting used to winning we're very comfortable players are confident and I would struggle to find a problem there if I'm really honest Um the issues come with us is when we get injuries, we've got quite a thin squad. And uh, when you, when your key players come, we've not got the players to step in. So you've got to hope for an injury, I think, unfortunately. <laughs> is having Dan and Lundlu out not the biggest loss in the world for oh, you guys squad depth-wise? No, um, I, I mean, I, I very frustrating player. Uh, we He came in on from Southampton last season and, and was was poor uh, and then Everett decided to pay money for him and he's, he's had a really, really slow start. He just started bagging and then the poor guy gets injured. But no, yeah, I won't worry about him. I won't worry about Cameron Jerome. I won't worry about Adebay Ajo. Uh, Charles and young daddy Bodvars and you, you, your threats up front. Obviously, both internationals. But yeah, uh, obviously, Ricardo Santos is a big figure for us as well. Uh, when he's missing, we don't play the same style of football. He's like a, he's like a quarterback. He'll bring the ball out. He'll he'll pass from the, almost centre mid because he's controlling where everyone else comes with him. Um, it, it, I think you used the example when we spoke earlier with um, with um, Poole. Um, you, you sort of a more direct team without him, uh, and and that's the case with us. I just hope we don't crumble under the pressure. We've 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 done it before. We did it a few times last season, uh, big games, and we did it against Wigan this season. Can the occasion get the better of us? Maybe. Do you think there'll be gaps out wide with Ardile and Coglin moving forward on the wing, or, uh, wing back fair bit to try and gain the gain the ball high up the part of the pitch? Do you think there'll be gaps on that side that which leaves the back three a bit exposed? If, if Iredale plays there, yes. Um, Randall Williams has been out injured, but if he's back in the team, he's a lot pacier. He, he actually is more suited for the position. And and with a back three, you do tend to have quite pretty strong cover as well. You can have that person dropping in. Uh, we have Gethin Jones, who's actually a right back for, by trade, who, who sort of works the overlap pretty well, covers for Dakris Cogley on that side, and then Owen Toll on, on the other. I'm trying to think of what the issue could generally be. And, and, and the, to be honest, I'm, I'm clutching at straws. It is the occasion. I know we won at Wembley last season, but we also we, we struggled against some sides of, of bigger stadiums like your likes of Derby County, etc. Um so, yeah, if, if that, that's all I can come up with at the minute. We'll take it. It's something to hold on to. Hopefully, Colby Bishop will be filling the squad in on how to completely negate Dion Charles for 90 minutes. Obviously, they know each other pretty well from their Accrington days. So, hopefully, he's got some inside information that will work to our benefit. With him. Just as long as you can run around for a long time, you can deal with Dion Charles. And that, that's the main thing. Cool. Um, we'll get to the crux of it then, Ryan. Could we please have your 
score prediction for Monday evening and any goal scorers that you expect to see on this on the uh, score sheet? Yeah, so as, as I said earlier, I would I'd be more than happy with a point. I think uh, obviously when you're watching the game and you, you're getting excited and it gets the but beforehand before before anyone's kicked a ball, I will take a one-one draw and I expect a one-one draw. We've got this thing about Aaron Morley scoring free kicks when the cameras are on him, so that that's where I see the goal coming from. He scored um, in the EFL Trophy semi-final against Accrington at Charlton January last year. So uh, that's that that's what I that's what I would predict and and. And Portsmouth, we've got full respect for them and I would expect them to give us a game. Yeah, you've got quite a winnable run of fixtures, I think, after this game, haven't you? You've got quite a favourable set of games over the Christmas period. So I think it's on paper similar-ish for us. If we both avoid dropping points, you'd hopefully back us. Well, I'm not going to hopefully back you to go on a nice unbeaten run, but you would back potentially both of us to to put some good results together. Ryan, I know we uh, we shouted out the name of the podcast at the start of the interview, but do you want to give yourself a plug? Where where can Pompey fans find your game preview with a, some dodgy Pompey fan? Where can we find your game review after the after Monday night? Yeah, give yourself a plug. So my me and Andy had a, a chat earlier today, um, um, sort of do our our Pompey v Bolton preview. That's available on YouTube, uh, but our our usual podcast is uh, basically on all your audio streaming platforms. We will be doing an episode uh, tomorrow, so uh, Thursday, basically previewing the game. So if you want to hear it from a Bolton fan's side, feel free to give us a listen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. And apart from Monday, as he always says, all the best for the rest of the season. That's how we close these interviews, isn't it? Good luck, but apart from our game, yeah, well, hopefully we'll see you towards the end of the season for a nice battle for first when everyone else will looking down on the rest of the league. Yeah, that's what we were saying, wasn't it? On the other on the other pod, 15 points clear of the playoffs and we can have a super, super friendly chat at the end of the season with smiles on our faces, not really caring who wins the game because it's all about automatics. Yeah, beautiful. Ryan, enjoy your weekend and uh, speak soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. Great, Ryan, thank you for joining us on the show. Lovely to have a bit of a preview there. Freddie, we'll jump to you first. Thoughts on this top-of-the-table clash, promotion six-pointer, rada, 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 all the cliches. I've started getting butterflies in my stomach just by doing the preview and speaking to Ryan. The nerves have kicked in, and it's five days until kickoff, which is slightly ominous. How are you feeling about Monday evening? Yeah, well, the nerves are there because... Under no evidence whatsoever, somehow Pompey always perform slightly worse on television. I know we got the 1-0 win against Exeter, but looking at the historical trend of matches that have no bearing on this game, we always seem to have problems on TV. And also, Bolton are a very, very good side. Ryan mentions the whip they're going to be able to bring in with the win-backs, how they're looking to control the midfield, attack the gaps between the full-backs and the centre-halves, which is Pompey's Achilles heel, and also strong. Defensive players like Sheehan and Santos, who are able to mop up when Bolton players go forward a little bit. It's going to be an incredibly, incredibly tough game. I can imagine the narrative if Pompey lose, because you can imagine, oh, the season's not in. It's it's not going to be there, even though Pompey would have only lost two games of the season. But it will say a lot if it's Blackpool and Bolton at home. But nevertheless, I think it's going to be incredibly tight. I'm hopeful that we're going to see more of what the players did against Northampton rather than against Blackpool. I really hope that they're able to stay in the game and create those chances rather than let it run away from them a little bit. Joth, what's the key battle for you on the pitch? Is it 
Dion Charles, Sean Raggett, or are we looking at something maybe a bit more offensively for Pompey? What's what's going to decide this one in terms of the one-to-one opposite number battles? I think rather than it being a one-to-one battle, it's going to be a midfield battle where both teams want to have possession of the ball. We kind of we're relatively similar in terms of style, where we're kind of slow and intricate in the build-up, and then can strike really quickly with the press. So it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a cracking game to watch. Yeah, one that I'm definitely nervous for, but. That midfield battle, whoever's, whoever's in midfield for us, whether morale returns or doesn't, it's going to be key because we'll both want to control the game. And, you know, if you're not controlling the game and your press isn't coordinated, you can see what kind of happens. Yeah, what happened in the Blackpool game where we got absolutely turned over. So touch wood, that doesn't happen again. All right, let's get to predictions then. Let's wrap this up so we can... Uh, <laughs> it's 20 past nine on a Wednesday. I need to go to bed for work. Uh, Freddie, we'll start with you. What are your predictions for Monday night football under the lights at Sky on Fratton Park? Big crowd. What can go wrong? What's your prediction, Fred? I'm going to go positive. I'm going to ignore the little bit in my brain that says it's going to go wrong. I'm going to go with a 2-0 course of win. I know, very surprising. Um, goals... I think Alex Robertson will continue his fine form, played excellently last two games. I think he'll pop up with a goal from somewhere. And Paddy Lane will continue his goal-scoring form from left wing. And imagine the celebrations with that 2-0 win, increasing the lead at the top of the table before the Christmas period. It's got everything on it, hasn't it? I think there's just so much riding on this. If we win... You know when you just know your own thought processes and you know your brain? And if we win this, I just know my head's going to go, oh, sugar, this is on, isn't it? This is so on. Literally. <laughs> and it's all resting in my head. If we lose this, I'll be like, okay, let's start maintaining that calm demeanour that we normally have on the podcast. I'm slightly worried that, yeah, if uh, if we win this game, I'm going to come in next week like, boys, we're going up. And uh, that only leads to disappointment. Joff, prediction for Monday night from you, please. Um I'm yeah. I can find a negative in most things, but I'm gonna go with a two-one Pompey win. Dion Charles will score for them somehow. You know, he's a complete striker. He'll score. Then Kamara's gonna score a really scrappy goal from a corner. That's just gonna happen. And then um, Ryan mentioned they've got a set piece specialist, but I reckon Jack Sparks is banging a free kick in from twenty-five yards. So we'll win two-one. And if you want to put a bet on that. Police gamble responsible. So you said it's not a a one to one battle at all, but then you've basically said it's battle of the free kick takers. There, Joth is what I'm hearing. It's going to be scrappy in midfield, lots of set pieces. They lead to scrappy goals. I'm going to go with a one or draw, partially because I'm concerned of our ability to to line up against that three at the back. I mean, we all learned a thing or two against Blackpool and had a bit of a, a come down to earth after you know such a good run. Hopefully, you know you've got to give Messina credit. Messino, Messino credit that um, they they will have worked on that and done some adapting in terms of how they line up against the three centre backs. I think it will be a one or draw. I do think I do think that Dion Charles is going to score. Uh, I think he's very hard to keep quiet. And we'll go with a we'll go with another Alex Robertson goal because he's just his xG is always much higher than his actual goal scoring. So we'll go with a, a Robertson goal, especially if he gets moved further forward, like you suggested, Joth. Which I personally I don't think that will happen. But if it does, I mean he's he's banging one in, isn't he? Edge of the box, eighty seventh minute, squeaky bum time for the last five. Then a, a triumphant car trip home up the M twenty seven. What a strong Monday. It's going to be great. Cool. Freddie, thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Oh, lovely to be back on the show, Andy. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed for Monday. Joth, thank you for coming on to the main show. Uh, looking forward to listening to you next up on the on the PO Forecast Extra. Have a good rest of your week. Nice one. Cheers. Yeah, hopefully you get a result on Monday.
Okay, gents, thank you for coming on the show. And then finally, a massive thank you to Liam and Jordan, in particular on Buy Me A Coffee, uh, for uh, giving us some money for supposedly coffee in reality server costs and tequila for freddy if we're being completely brutally honest about it more towards the server costs but it, it doesn't have to be tequila it doesn't have to be any alcohol whatsoever but you know jordan and liam if you have any specific requests in uh, towards where you would like your kind coffees donation to go towards in terms of whether it is server costs or you know breaking someone on the podcast i know which one i'd rather put my money towards but do let us know drop us a dm on twitter and we'll make sure your money goes in the direction it was intended but thank you for your kind generosity and obviously to uh to mazala designs as well who we've linked up with in the last week or so uh, for their contribution towards the pod as well so big thank you to you guys thank you to everyone for listening uh well done for making it this far hope you all enjoy the rest of your week and uh, we look forward to speaking next week after a famous win against bolton cements our position at the top of the table and then things are only going to get better from there have a great week and play up on You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle. <laughs>